You and I talk all the time about the three things that we help people with are a greater sense of clarity, a greater sense of confidence, and a greater sense of capability. We are being given a marvelous opportunity to create a greater sense of capability for who we are as individuals. Welcome to Your Financial Sobriety, a podcast that challenges conventional beliefs about money and life. We're here to talk about the only three relationships in life that really matter, our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with other people, and our relationship with money. And they are all tied very closely to one another. If you've ever struggled with any of these relationships at any point in your life, then you're in the right place. I'm Matthew Grishman, co-owner of Gebhardt Group. We're a private wealth management firm headquartered just outside San Francisco, California. I'm joined by my business partner and BFF, Jim Gebhardt, who got this party started when he opened the doors of our firm in 2005. Jim and I created Your Financial Sobriety because we want to help a lot of people. We're on a mission to become the most disruptive money influencers of our time. If after listening today, you're able to take one step closer to keeping your money more aligned with the people, places, and experiences that mean the most to you, then Jim and I just got one step closer to accomplishing our mission. Financial Sobriety, Episode 12. Episode 12 today is about a little kind of off-scripty thing, but it's going to be about money, movies, and meaning. What does that have to do with human connection and the relationship with people? We've got to listen to the show. Oh, well, let's go back and I can't start tell over you again. the end of the movie now. <laughs> but I think a little recap's in order, right? I mean, we're still, here we are. This is the end of April when we're recording this, and we're still in the throes of the global pandemic with corona. Here in Northern California, we're on day... 832. 47. Oh, is that all? Oh, and I thought we were up in the 800s. In like dog years, we're on day 47. Yeah. So it's like four or 500 days now. Well, it is a leap year. True. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> and just, a, I think, a little refresh, a little recast of our vision of what financial sobriety is about is a good place to start with the money piece. Yeah. Well, this is, I think our mission's massive. I'm glad we're able to do this. We're on this mission to be the most disruptive money influencers of our time. And it's a huge task. Just think for a minute. If everybody in this world had a little more financial sobriety, what our world would actually look like? Think well, about that for a minute. So credit card debt would go away. Credit card debt. We are trillions and trillions of dollars in debt as a country. A couple more trillion just added to the stack here recently. We have half a million people homeless sleeping on the streets in our country. We've got millions of tons of plastic floating in our oceans. So many things out there that I don't know, upset you and me when we think about these things. And if everybody had a little bit more financial sobriety in their lives, what would happen to those things? What would happen to the debt? What would happen to people sleeping on the streets? What would happen to everybody buying single-use plastic and throwing it wherever they want to throw it? It goes away, folks. Yeah, goes away. It goes away because it's the trickle-down effect in terms of what I'm able to do if I'm more financially self-sufficient. I'm also probably healthier. My relationships are better. So well, that's what the need for therapy probably goes, you know, dramatically reduced. Oh, sure. All hosts of reasons. Yeah. There's a lot that changes. I mean, the whole medical system, the whole big pharma, the drug manufacturers. I Ooh. mean, so, so much of our society changes if everybody has a little bit more financial sobriety in their yeah, lives. Yeah, because we, as we've talked about in many episodes, we will medicate 
with money. Absolutely. Whether it be the easy frictionless one swipe of a purchase. You were telling me a story the other day about eating out and the impact that that's having with people who, <clears throat> excuse me, are so used to eating out or eating out tremendously. Now it's really hard. Most places you can't. And I want to talk about that more. There's a lot of financial sobriety that's been kind of forced upon us because of the current environment we're in. You and I have enjoyed the benefits of owning a wonderful private wealth management firm. And people have shown up through our front door, right? I mean, we don't market our business. We're not out. There's no billboards on the highways. We don't really talk about our private wealth management practice outside of you and me and our clients. We seem to attract people who are going through major life transitions. That's always been, when you and I picked this apart a number of years ago, that has always been the keystone is when we're introduced. That's or, when our phone rings. That's when our phone rings. That's when somebody has gone through enough pain that they raise their hand and they ask for help. Right. And, and that's how we've been introduced 90-something percent of the time is when somebody's going through a transition. Most of them are not pleasant. Right. And most of them are not planned. And most of them are not planned. Exactly. Right. And yet here we are today. I mean, we our firm is small, right, relative to some of the big advisory shops in the world today, because that's really a niche thing that you and I do. But yet here we are and society. I mean, there's not a person on earth right now who's not going through a major life transition with this health crisis. How we interact with our money, how we interact with each other, how we interact with ourselves has completely changed. It's this complete transition and we're in this state of limbo where nobody's really sure what the other side is going to look like. And I'm okay in that space. How about you? I'm okay in that space because I know the things that we're doing to, as we've talked about in other episodes, maintain my confidence. And the things that I need to do to essentially block those confidence busters. Right. I mean, just simply put, the days that I don't do my calm app and meditate and I don't stretch and I don't hydrate and I don't get out and move. You're a mess. Whew. Yeah. Not so good. Yeah. Those are the only days I don't want to be around you. Yeah. Not so good. <laughs> Those are the things that I know I can do. And, you know, as I talk with clients, as I talk with neighbors, just walking the dog, as I talk with fam family members, people are really kind of fed up with this whole isolation situation. And, it, and it, you're right. It's been – it's a forced major life transition. Right. There is a tremendous amount of heartache. The sad, the sad stories that you either know firsthand or you read about where people have died alone in hospitals or medical workers that have – contracted the disease, or I read an un unbelievably sad story about a medical worker who committed suicide because she just couldn't deal with all of the death around her. Yeah. Then you get into the whole financial tragedy of 30 million people at this point that are out of work and businesses that are going to be closed and not be able to reopen ever. And how does it change the entire landscape of the economic fabric that we're so used to? That is incredibly disruptive. Yes. Where I can be okay in that space is the knowledge that I have about who we are as people. The fact that, and we've talked about this before, we talk about that, you and I talk about this every day. We as people are the most adaptable species to ever inhabit planet Earth. You and I have lived through major economic events over the course of our 24 going on 25 year careers in this business. This is the third time in the trench. Yeah, third major economic event war, in our career. War wound. Where we went into it 
got completely rattled. Life got turned upside down as we knew it. And we had this period of limbo where we weren't sure what it was going to look like on the other side. And with each one of those experiences, you and I learned firsthand that when we did come out the other side, the sun was shining, people were out there, and life resumed, and it resumed in a way that brought incredible new innovation into our lives and incredible new thoughts and ideas and and just ways to go out and express ourselves and live our lives. So when we think about financial sobriety, I'm, I'm so grateful that we have this platform, this podcast platform, to be able to have conversations with so many more people then our private practice kind of limits us to with sure. one person at a time is going through some kind of transition in life. Now we've got a planet going through this major transition and we get to have a platform to share it with everybody and be together through this and share the, the hope that you and I have as to what it's going to look like on the other side. We have no idea what it's going to look like on the other side, but I know that human beings are the most adaptable beings to ever live on the planet. And it's going to be wonderful. I completely agree that it's going to be wonderful. And so many people ask me, when do you think this thing resumes to normal? And I said, I, I have no idea. I don't know if it's going to be a month, six months, a year, two years. But I do know that we'll get through it. And I do know that we will thrive on the other side of it. And that's really what we want to be the message today. Right. We want to position ourselves to be able to thrive on the other side of it. And I would add one other part to that. Are we waiting to thrive on the other side of it, or are we somehow finding a way to thrive within it, to live our best lives now, to have financial sobriety in our lives now, to have this incredible balance between these three critical relationships in our lives, the relationship we have with ourself, the relationship we have with our people, the relationship we have with our money. Can we be thriving in those three relationships now and not have to wait for whatever that wonderful is on the other side. Well, that goes to our whole, our whole theme of preparation. The ability to be prepared, that time off stage, that dress rehearsal is now because we're not living our normal lives. We're not having to get up, get the kids ready for school, make lunches, get to work, go to the grocery store, come home, make dinner, do homework. If you're retired, tell me what that lifestyle's like because I'm not there yet. <laughs> well, listen, but, we're getting a taste of what it feels like. We are like. getting a taste of it, and I think I'm going to be working a long time. I have found these big blank moments where there's really like nothing going on and I don't enjoy it. I've realized, I mean, I've had a lot of time for self-reflection and I like to create things. I like to build things. I like to fix and improve things. I don't do so good with status quo and nothing going on. It's just not who I am. I've also really realized how important the concept of human connection is for us. And I got to thank everybody that's listening to this because it actually selfishly helps me feel more connected when we do these podcast sessions. It's not just you, me, and Jeff here in the studio. I actually feel a sense of connection with our listeners and our people who believe in these concepts and who aspire to improve, whether the sun is out and it's 72 degrees and there's a nice little lilting breeze, Mm -hmm. or if we're in the middle of the absolute eye of the hurricane like we are right now. Right. Well, the timing of how we've rolled this podcast out couldn't have been better. We started the first several episodes talking about this relationship with money. We transitioned a couple of episodes ago into the relationship we have with people. These are the three main components of our wealth. The topic of relationship with people, we started down the path of the three pieces that make up the epicenter of wealth. 
the epicenter of true wealth starts with this place of gratitude, this action step where gratitude is as much a verb as it is a noun. Mm -hmm. We talked a lot about and shared a lot about how we live with an attitude of gratitude. Then we talked a little bit about this idea of being vulnerable, being open, opening the kimono up, showing the world our warts, allowing ourselves to be real, which is incredibly attractive. Very refreshing. Refreshing. Absolutely. And then we went down the road of trust, two episodes on building trust and maintaining trust. And those combined really make up this epicenter of wealth, which is all about connecting with people. Our ability to create wealth in this world is 100% dependent upon our ability to connect with other people. That is a belief you and I have held steady to since the day we could talk. And now we have a platform to be able to really accelerate this conversation to a much bigger audience. So today's episode expands the human connection and brings it all together with this idea of human connection and this relationship we have with people. You came up with this wonderful idea of talking about these three points, money, movies, and meaning. Yeah, and and before we jump into movies, let's do a little refresh on the 10-10-10 principle. Mm. I've gotten a lot of feedback, a lot of positive, incredible comments on just what a great tool that is right now. And I caught myself the other day. And as a refresher, the 10-10-10 principle is a nice little tool in the tool bag to help you pause on that instantaneous purchase, on that frictionless swipe. It's a very applicable principle right now. I mean, it's, it's relevant today just because of how our relationship with money has changed given the whole health crisis, the whole stay at home, shelter in place, whatever the heck they call it. Everybody has experienced some change to their relationship with money. My brother and I were on the phone two days ago. My brother is a cereal eater-outer. He <laughs> – did I just make up another word? That's a whole new phraseology there. Whole, yeah, cereal eater-outer. He doesn't eat cereal out, but he's a cereal eater-outer. An SEO. Yes. He and his family probably eat out, I don't know, three, four nights a week. They order in a couple nights a week. And he said something to me a couple days ago about we're at home cooking now every day, and it's nice. I like it. His whole relationship with money from a standpoint of how much money they spend on eating out is completely changing. And even when we get to the other side of this, he feels pretty confident that this new habit of his is going to continue where they eat more at home and they spend less going out to eat. So that's a shift in priorities. Absolutely. For me, the whole financial sobriety that's happening now has to do with impulse purchases. And this is where the 10-10-10 principle comes in. It's just, it's so powerful. 10-10-10 was one of those tools that I had learned to help me with my impulse spending. My impulse spending is what ultimately led me down a really, really dark hole. I was making ridiculous sums of money and squandering it just on meaningless stuff, mostly impulse stuff, all to make me feel better, Sure. all to make me feel good about me, all to get you to like me. That was all my motive for all those years of impulse spending. And the idea of 10-10-10 is to have something available to me right now When I'm in that emotional moment where I want to have an impulse spend, I want to swipe right on my Amazon.com cart to buy something I don't need. 10-10-10 is all about pause. 10 minutes. That first 10 is all about pausing for 10 minutes. Just put it down. Walk away from the iPad. Walk away from the computer. Walk away from the shopping cart for 10 minutes. 
If this is an impulse purchase that we don't need, we didn't plan, we haven't thought about it before today. Oh, but I really need it. <laughs> now. You got a bellyache? Now I need it. <laughs> Absolutely. What do you mean May 7th I'm going to get delivered on an order today? That's pause. Okay, I'll pause. 10 minutes. The magic that happens in that first 10 minutes is that every emotional impulse we've ever had as a human being is a temporary emotional impulse. Like waves at the beach. Like waves at the beach. Absolutely. Everything in life is temporary, especially our emotions, especially our impulses. So when I have this wave of emotion that causes me to want to go buy something, if I can pause for 10 minutes and just let that emotion flood out, what happens on the other side of those 10 minutes? Huh. I feel better. You're uh, distracted with something else? I don't need to make that purchase anymore. Now, they're really good, though, because the stuff stays in the cart a long time. Ah, which could be the next part of 10-10-10, which is when I do come back after 10 minutes, if there's something still pulling me to that purchase, like it's still in my cart, or gosh, that's still really appealing. Well, now I've got to really think for a moment. How am I going to feel about this purchase 10 weeks from now and 10 years from now? If this is a purchase that won't survive 10 weeks, if this is something that I'm going to buy today that 10 weeks from now will be sitting in the back corner of my closet and I, I won't even know where it is, we should probably skip the purchase. If it's something that could be meaningful 10 years from now, something that creates a memory or an experience or something that could be valuable to me 10 years from now, maybe yeah. it's something I should consider purchasing. Yeah. I think more than half the battle is in that first 10 minutes. So, I mean, we're, we're much healthier Generally speaking, in terms of eating and habits and nutrition and mm -hmm. exercise, there's such more mindfulness around nutrition and exercise. Mm -hmm. This this is kind of like sneaking the old cheeseburger at uh, the drive-thru. What is? The impulse purchase. Oh, right. It's, it's having the ice cream late at night before you go to bed. But it's so easy. I mean, there's no trace other than on your debit card. Or your credit card. And it's just 20 or 30 or $40. Uh, yeah. What's the big deal? Right. But over time, over and over and over, allowing those habits to continue to go unchecked, sneaking that cup of ice cream day in and day out, allowing that impulse habit to go unchecked leads to results. Leads that, to a problem. Yeah, it leads to problems. It's not sustainable. So that's, that's one of the tips of the day is the reminder of the 10-10-10 principle. It takes practice. The other thing for listeners that I just wanted to throw out there is, and this podcast has really not been very tactical in the sense of, you know, money moves and things like this. But in this CARES Act, there's something in there on 401k specifically that I want to talk about for everybody. CARES Act. The CARES Act that was passed with the $2 trillion we just added to the top of the pile. Gotcha. The stimulus stuff. And I've had a number of questions on this recently, and I just want to help clarify it for folks. So if you have a 401k... 403B of 457, these are qualified retirement plans through your employer, you can now take a loan against that money without the 10% penalty. Oh, wow. They have also expanded- A loan or, or a withdrawal? Well, it is technically a loan. Okay. The, the plan has to, first of all, allow for loans. loans. Okay. And there used to be a cap of $50,000 was the maximum amount, and you could take- 50% of your account balance. So you could take so the if greater you had of... So if you had a $100,000 account balance, you could take out $50,000. Okay. 
they have now removed that limit and you can take up to a maximum of $100,000, which if that's the entirety of your account, you can do that. So I was talking with a client the other day, has a $68,000 401k. Husband's pretty much out of work. Wife has been out of work. They're in a real pinch financially. I said, take the whole damn thing. Hmm. They said, well, we can't do that. And I said, well, you can under the CARES Act. And there are other qualifications to this in terms of you have to be able to attest to uh, being impacted by the coronavirus. Ooh, I almost feel like we've become a news show. We're, we're like telling important current information on what to do with your 401ks if you need it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I have never been a big fan of 401k loans, but in the time that we're in, this is definitely something to go... If uh, people are desperate to get their hands if, on a couple if bucks. If people are in, their back is up against the wall. This is a very acceptable way. You're paying yourself back the interest, which is going to be in the 4% range just for compliance purposes to keep it very generic. And I just, I wanted to throw that out there because I've had a number of people asking me about it, whether we should do it, whether we shouldn't do it. The other thing I want to throw in there about money is if you have a home equity line of credit, I fundamentally believe it's probably good to take some of that capital and just tuck it off to the side right now while we're in the middle of this crisis. You can always pay it back. You obviously have to have the discipline to not go blow it at the car dealer or book some fantastical trip when this thing's all over. Tell me more about this because- Well, this was an issue in 2008. Yeah. And this was an issue in 2008 where the banks actually started to reduce or freeze or close out home equity lines of credit. By no means am I trying to fan the flames. I'm just trying to talk from a very practical, prudent, as you and I have talked about, cash is an asset class. If you need cash, your 401k loan is, a, is an excellent place to look. You can always email us questions at info at yourfinancialsobriety.com. But these were a couple of things I just wanted to get off my chest. Okay. Excellent. Good, good so, money ideas. Mo- movies. Movies. Who has money to movies. Who hasn't watched a movie during this crisis? Netflix subscriptions went through the roof. And what is it that we love about movies? So the, this whole movie... Are you asking me? No. I'm oh, just ranting. It's, re- it's rhetorical. It's rhetorical. Yeah. Gesundheit. <laughs> Who's your all-time favorite movie character? Luke Skywalker. Okay. And why is he your all-time favorite character? He's the ultimate Jedi warrior. Right. When you stop and you think, and we're gonna, I'm asking everybody in, that's listening, you know, to, to stop and think, who is your all-time favorite movie character? And I've been asking this question of clients lately. One said Atticus Finch, the unbelievable Gregory Peck as Atticus Finch in, in To Kill a Mockingbird, or George C. Scott as General Patton, or Julia Roberts as Vivian Ward in Pretty Woman. Or Jennifer Lawrence in The Hunger Games. Jennifer Lawrence in The Hunger Games. As the tribute in The Hunger Games. Right? Yeah. What is it that we love about these heroes? They have struggle. They have war wounds. They're warriors. They are warriors of the ultimate level because they're flawed human beings in some form or another. We're all flawed human beings. They're all battling their dark side of some sort. They're battling their dark side. They've got emotional wounds. They've got physical wounds. They've got complicated relationships with people. They've got complicated relationships with people. They've got demons that they're trying to to battle, whether they're external or internal. We can't take our eyes off of them. Because they're real. They're fictional, but they're real. So tell me about their victims. Do you remember any of their victims? Any of their victims? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, who they went up against, you know, who the poor people were that they were taking down or slaying or killing or destroying or... You mean, mean like... Do you remember any of those people? 
no. Yeah. We don't really have any attention on the victim. Our attention and our focus is always on the hero of the story because they are just so gripping. We can't take our eyes off of them. Well, and our heroes never play the role of the victim. No. No. Because they've got so many demons that they're fighting, right? They've got so many battles that they're fighting. The point to this little exercise is we have a choice to make. I think in the middle of this crisis, we can either play that role of the victim or we can choose to be our own hero. Right. We can either be afraid and live in this space of fear. And let's not misunderestimate the power of fear. There you go. You, <laughs> you, I mean, you and I still experience fear. Our hero, Luke Skywalker, still experiences fear. Oh, he has lots of, lots of struggle, lots of darkness, lots of... But he doesn't allow that to turn him into a victim. Right. He remains the hero. Right. And there's so much headwind blowing at us right now to just sit, be still, put on the cloak of the victim and... Well, is, is it headwind or is it manufactured headwind? Is it the cable news? Is it real wind or is it the cable news machine that is trying to convince us that we are all victims because they want us in a place of fear because that's what keeps our eyeballs on their channels? They have got exactly what they want is we are absolutely gripped to media. Media consumption probably in our lifetimes has never been higher than it is right now. Doesn't matter what channel you watch, they've got our attention. And whether it's manufactured or not, my concern and what I'm hearing from a lot of people is that they just shut it down. And and they're waiting. And they're either they're they're like waiting for someone or something to come save them. Hang on, wait, let me look over my shoulder. Yeah. Oh, no, nope, no one's back there. Last I knew, one of my favorite movies. I can't actually tell you any of the characters, but one of my favorite movies, I'm going to rewatch it this weekend, is Alive. Alive is the story of the the uh, the Chilean soccer team, I believe it is, that crashes in the Andes. They're all in summer gear because they were going to land. Yeah, and then they eat each other for dinner. Right. And it's a very powerful scene where the survivors are stuck in the fuselage, and if they stay in the fuselage, it is certain death. Absolute certain death. Or they can be brave souls and try. And save themselves. No one's coming for them. No, that's my point. Yeah. Is try to survive and climb their way out of this thing in the middle of the Andes Mountains because nobody's coming. What I'm hearing you say is that if we choose to play the role of victim, if we choose to do what the media machine wants us to do, which is sit still— be the victim, be afraid, medicate ourselves with food, booze, and spending, Sure. then in effect, death is certain. Some sort of death is certain. The end is certain. But we could try to climb out of the Andes. We may or may not succeed, but we're going to kill ourselves trying. That's what you and I are doing right now, I think. That's what you and I are all about because we want to try to help those people that are stuck in the fuselage that are sitting there without any hope on what do I do? How do I, what am I supposed to do? I've lost my job. Maybe one of my family members has been sick, maybe even died from this. What am I supposed to do? I, I don't, I don't have, there's no roadmap. There's no manual. That's why we love the hero because the hero throws caution to the wind and just tries to fight their way out of the foxhole, right? How many movies 
Do you just go, oh, there's no, there's no way out of this? There's no way out of this. They can't possibly. Oh, they figured out a way. Yeah. Especially the true story movies. So that's why I'm saying we have a choice to make. Yeah. It's not easy. The choice is not always easy. Come on. There were plenty of people in that movie, in the story alive, that just said they were going to stay in the fuselage. And it was only two or three that were willing to venture out and manufacture some clothing to get themselves to the top of the next peak and see what they were up against. Right. So this concept of where we've been with all of this, all the tragedy, all the frustration, all the anger, the, the sense of loss, lack, right, where we're, we're restricted. Human beings aren't meant, to, meant for this. We're pack animals. We're not meant to be in isolation. Right. This is, this is more like a prison sentence, right? The, the worst prisoners in the world get stuffed away in isolation as a punishment. And doesn't this feel like a punishment in many respects? Absolutely. Do I understand and respect the fact that it's helping flatten the curve? Yes, I do. Doesn't change how it feels. Does not change how it feels. So one of our big, someone that we're big fans of, is a woman by the name of Brene Brown, who is at the University of Texas and a world-renowned researcher in various forms of psychology, but specifically around things like vulnerability and well, that it was some her, of our favorite topics. Yeah, it was her TED Talk on vulnerability that really launched her into the national spotlight where she's become an authority on this concept of vulnerability. It's kind of one of my secret desires to have her on the show one day. I would love to interview Brene Brown. That would be amazing. Well, that's a good intention you just put out there. Well, in case anybody in the audience uh, might know her or maybe she's listening. (laughs) Here's a quote that I saw from her the other day that I just found so powerful and I want to share it with everybody. We will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was not normal other than we normalized greed, inequity, exhaustion, depletion, extraction, Disconnection, confusion, rage, hoarding, hate, and lack. We should not long to return to that, my friends. We are being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all of humanity and nature. That quote's from Brene Brown not that long ago. That's beautiful. And I've really enjoyed talking with some of our clients and some of our listeners on the fact of Things that they're doing and enjoying in this forced quiet period. One of whom yesterday was saying to me that she doesn't really want to go back to what life was like for her. So the third point of our message today is about meaning. And how do we find the meaning in all of this? Life is forced upon us to be very, very slow. And I was giving a talk the other day and I got talking about the concept of motivation versus inspiration. And... I like Asians. Yeah, Asians are good. Yeah. It means you're, you're doing. Yeah, Modi and Inspur are two of my favorite Asians. Yeah. The concept behind motivation, and this is just a straight-out definition of it, is the general desire or willingness of someone to do something. I think people have lost a tremendous amount of motivation this deep into the shelter-in-place. I've seen it with my family. I've seen it with myself. I've seen it with plenty of clients that I've spoken with. So what we want to do is we kind of want to pivot and get to the inspiration. Well, isn't that the inspiration that creates the motivation sometimes? That's the refuel, Mm -hmm. right? That's the recharge, is because inspiration and the definition, this is for Jill, our seventh grade English teacher and uh, the mother of uh, Matthew, 
is inspiration is the process of being mentally stimulated to do or feel something, especially to do something creative. So where are we going with this? Right? What, do you, what do you think about that, Mom? Exactly. <laughs> Jill, please, uh, please chime in. <laughs> Send us a text or uh, a flare. I had this funny story that kind of hit me in terms of my own inspiration. And <laughs> I grew up in Syracuse, New York, for those of you that don't know me. And Syracuse is a very unique climate. I heard they only got six inches of snow last night. Yeah, and it's April what? (laughs) So one of the traditions, one of the rituals in the springtime, when the snow would finally stop, sometimes around Mother's Day, (laughs) is my dad and I would thatch the front lawn. Thatch. Thatch. Like a thatch roof? So, well, yeah. So you would go out there with a special attachment and one on the front of the lawnmower, and it's these, you know, these tines. And it would pull out all of the dead grass. And that's to make room for new growth because spring is upon us. Only the first couple feet of the lawn, because of the fact that it's dead, you know, it's winter back there for like 14 months of the year. You mean the first couple feet from the road? From the curb. From the road into into the lawn. Right. Deader than a doornail because of all the salt and the rocks and everything from the plow that goes by. So my dad, being an engineer, was like, well, the thatch isn't going to do any good there because it's going to keep all the grass, all the rocks and salt. We'd bust out the old shop vac. Oh, wow. Right? The, the big red, black Sears industrial. You had to put the headphones on to protect your hearing. This thing is so loud. Sure. Right? Well, you just go suck all that stuff up. And the we shop would vac. sit there. If you think your neighbors are, are thinking you're a little sideways, a little cuckoo, wait till you go out in your front lawn on your hands and knees with a shop vac and you're sucking stuff out of the grass. They're really going to start to worry about you. I could see Wes doing that. It, well, guess what? Wes, Wes was the superintendent. Ah. I was I was <laughs> You were the day laborer. I was the day laborer. <laughs> so it just it it hit me because that's what we need is we need a shop vac to come suck all of the dead weight, all of the dead wood, all the dead grass, all the salt, all the salt and grit that is in our lives right now to give some space, to create some room. So for let's re- new, for new growth. Let's rename this from financial sobriety to the shop vac show. I think because uh, that's what we're doing. We could get some. We could get some sponsorship from. They still make shop vacs. Oh, well, financial sobriety brought to you by shop vac. There we go. There you go. There we go. <laughs> what are those new skills? Those new habits? Those new capabilities? Right. We talked earlier in the show about not wanting to wait. Right. right? So once we suck that stuff out, we get all that dead wood out, and the dead pebbles out. That creates this this space for us to be creative. Yeah, there's to all find new something growth. New. All new growth can come out of that, right? Just yeah. like pruning a tree, just like whatever you're going to weed. So for me, I've been looking at it like, okay, well, there's nothing going on this weekend. You know what? I have always wanted to make fresh pasta, so I did it a couple Sundays ago. I was completely pitting out. I was so anxious. I was sweating. I'm like, what am I getting so nervous about? It's pasta. We have four boxes of dried stuff. If it doesn't work, right? But I made fresh pasta, God bless my Nana, who was 100% Italian, and it was fantastic. Nice little bolognese sauce, some garlic bread, a little, a little Caesar a little, salad. A little sausage, a little, little sausage. Exactly. Right. No, no fava beans. No fava beans. No. The other thing that has been driving me crazy is in Northern California, we have drip irrigation, right? We're trying to be very water conscious. But drip irrigation is a pain in the you-know-what. The heads break off. They don't work. They get clogged. Plants dying. God bless YouTube and uh, all the home fix-it things you can watch on there. So where am I going with this? It's a couple simple little silly things that I've been doing to 
make room for new growth. Maybe we're going to have a you know new family pasta recipe and it becomes some new tradition. I don't sure. know. But if you're listening to this and you're feeling a little victim-like, you're feeling a little stuck, you're lacking motivation. You're feeling like you're weighted down with a whole bunch of salt and sand and rocks that the plow's kicked up over your head. There you go. The plow being... You had no control over it. Media. Right. What are the things that you can do to spark a little joy, to have a new skill, a new capability? We talk a lot about protecting your confidence, right? So as I have gotten better at things like making pasta and fixing drip irrigation, my confidence is up. It's protecting my confidence so that when I have another you know, war wound that comes in from something very tragic and sad about this, yeah, I'm going to have, I'm going to breathe it in. We talk a lot about the empathy around that, but it's going to make me able to, to deal with that rough situation a little better because my confidence is up. Yeah. You know, you're fixing a pretty good stretch of fence and retaining wall in your backyard right now. And you even said to me the other day that this is, this has been a confidence buster that keeps, and I quote, keeps you up at night. Absolutely. Every time I look out in my backyard, I've got this hillside in my backyard that's just slowly creeping towards the back of my house. We have this wonderfully complicated long wall, that this kind of retainer wall that holds that up. And because of tree roots and dry rot and all sorts of things happening, it's been slowly eroding and falling apart over the years. And I've been watching this and just not doing anything about it. And for the first time, we finally said, we're going to do something about this. We're going to go out there and we're going to do our best. We're going to try. And if I fail, I have people that I can call for help. So we're digging out a trench. We're putting in new keystone. We've got to cut roots on trees, all stuff I've never done before. But because I've had the shop vac experience where I've been able to suck all the salt and sand and garbage out of the way, and it's taken a few weeks. We've been sitting at home for right. you know six or seven or eight or nine weeks now however long it is. And, and it's taken a little bit of time for that shop vac effect to take place that I can finally get out there and, and try these things. These things scare the crap out of me. I'm not a handy person. I mean, it's, it's by the grace of God, I can even blow my own nose. I'm just, I'm not a handy person, but I'm willing to try some new stuff like building a retaining wall in my backyard or replacing my deck in my backyard. It's all on YouTube. I have two very strong teenage boys and we're going to figure this stuff out. We're going to learn how to do this stuff. Exactly. So, you know, the, the, the call to action here, the exercises, we always have some kind of a writing exercise. This might be a thinking exercise, is who is that all-time hero of yours in a movie and why? And think a little bit about what they've gone through in their hero's journey in that storyline. But then what are the things that you've got to get out of your way, your shop vac opportunity to create some new space for you to go develop a new skill, a new habit, new capabilities. You and I talk all the time in our private practice about the three things that we help people with are a greater sense of clarity, a greater sense of confidence, and a greater sense of capability. We are being given a marvelous opportunity to create a greater sense of capability for who we are as individuals. That's what this episode has been all about. We'd love to hear your feedback on it, info at yourfinancialsobriety.com. We've covered a lot today. We've talked about money. We've done a little recap of where we've been. We laid back down the 10-10-10 principle as just a refresher tool. I mean, Highlight that, that one. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've had to practice a lot. So it's, it's important that we keep bringing that back and reminding ourselves about that 10-10-10 tool because it's been a game changer for me. This idea of trying to emulate our, our biggest movie heroes, recognizing their hero's journey, 
What was and the choice that we have? Right, the choice that they've had to make to get outside their comfort zone. What does that look like for you and me? And that leads us to this place of meaning. And ultimately, what we're getting to is that this whole health crisis, this whole experience, it hasn't happened to us. It's happened for us. I know that in the bottom of my gut, in my soul, I know that this has happened for us. If you're not there yet, give it time. It will make itself— It will reveal itself. Thank you. It will reveal itself. So we've covered a lot, this idea of human connection, and really just not waiting for this whole thing till it's over. Let's live our best lives now. Let's thrive today. Yeah, and let's go be that hero. That is a wrap. If you like what you heard, leave us a review and be sure to subscribe. And check out our website, yourfinancialsobriety.com. Thanks again for listening today. Here to help you find more clarity, confidence, and capability along your journey into financial sobriety, I'm Matthew Grishman. And I'm Jim Gebhardt. Be intentional with your money. Jim Gebhardt is a registered representative of and securities offered through Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, member SIPC. Jim Gebhardt and Matthew Grishman are investment advisor representatives of Gebhardt Group Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Brokers International Financial Services, LLC, and Gebhardt Group Incorporated are not affiliated. The opinions in this podcast are for informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or investment recommendations. To determine which investments or financial advice may be appropriate for you, consult a financial advisor prior to investing. Any reference to market performance is based on historical information and there is no expressed or implied guarantee of future performance.